0: Good afternoon and welcome into Two Man Game. Matthew Rocchio and my co-host Bob Ramsey. Ramer. how are you doing today? Doing very well. How are you, Rock? I'm doing fantastic on this Tuesday afternoon into evening. And we're here to talk a little basketball. Specifically, we're going to be talking to St. Louis Billikens basketball today. They're coming off a big win over the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. It was a 78-55 win. Uh, quite literally a big win, and then also just kind of the feeling around the team, I would say was, it was it's fair to call that a big win. Right off the rip rammer, uh, let's just jump right into the game. Uh, your initial takeaway uh, when you were sitting there talking
1: to Travis post-game? Well, post-game, um, and, and the number one thing in the game, although you kind of it kind of hit as the game went along, you're kind of aware of it. Um, but I end up getting so focused on following the ball and who's scoring and who's making shots that you in, know, in in sort of lost was the defensive job uh Yuri Collins did. uh the kid he was guarding, scored 29 and I think 30 in his previous two games, and Yuri held him to one point. one, point not 10 you know not you know i I mean just one point yeah the guy's averaging 30 he got one uh just remarkable effort but sometimes those things because it's the uh, body of work of the 40 minutes that doesn't necessarily hit you as it's happening and then the other thing is what i hope is the emergence of sincere parker and larry hughes as a bona fide three point shooters that can go that, that you combine with and maybe take pressure off of Javante Perkins and Gibson Jimerson.
0: Yeah, you know, to, to, to the last point, uh, kind of working reverse, they were combined uh, five of nine off the bench. Since your partner going three or four, and Larry Hughes going two or five, um, that was also accounted for nine of uh, nine of their ten total field goals from the floor. And so, yeah, I loved obviously, what they were able to give. Uh, you know, Sincere had a good game effort-wise from defense. They picked on him a little bit. I thought they were able to take advantage of him. but That's going to come in his game. But his offensive game, like you said, it continues to develop. On the other hand, uh, Larry Hughes, I mean, the offensive game is obviously there with the way he's hitting shots. But also, I think you have to throw in just every little thing he did. Uh, he brought the ball up, um, to kind of give Yuri a break on offense, which I thought was absolutely huge, because you know he was having such a huge defensive load with Daryl Banks the uh, third. And then there were some other plays where uh, there was you know 40 seconds where Yuri wasn't in the game, but it, you know including those 40 seconds and a couple other plays where they also let Yuri guard someone else to give him a, a breather. Larry Hughes Jr. is the one who picked up the Daryl Banks the third duties, and when he wasn't doing that, he was picking up the point guard, and and so. To give a guy like that, you know, point guard guarding duties and then also point guard duties in the offense as a, as a freshman like that, I was unbelievably impressed. And he did little things. You know, he took a charge. Uh, he got in for a crucial offensive rebound against Chad Venning uh, when it looked when when the bodies were getting a little momentum behind him. Yeah. I, I just – I, I love everything we saw from Larry Hughes Jr. He's been an extremely close surprise.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with those – all those points are, are clearly true. It was great to see Pickett back, and uh, even though he was still feeling pretty weak from he was really sick during the week, and uh, still contributed, got rebounds. So um, uh, there's still another level to which this team can achieve. And um, but I thought that was a, a, a excellent step in the right direction.
0: And one of one other piece because yeah, obviously Yuri's defense on on Daryl Banks the third was incredible, and. The way he was running with him around screens, the way he was closing out on shots. Honestly, I mean, I mean Banks. I think I think one of the only I think he only got one point and I think it was when he got the foul call and he missed two of the free throws and he hit the one. It was literally, it was literally because Yuri charged so hard. On he actually got hit by the screen. He charged so hard off his recovery that he you know overextended himself and he got called for a foul. So even the one mistake that led to a point. For Darryl Banks, the third was a great example of effort on defense, which is obviously something we've talked about a lot. But in addition to Yuri Collins' game, I do want to say, one, uh, Javante Perkins, I think, also had his best individual um, defense within you know within the team defense as well. He was fighting through screens. If, if the ball wasn't going to Daryl Banks, the third, they were trying to get it to one of the other wings, and usually their way to do that was to run that guy and therefore Javante Perkins through multiple off ball screen these possessions so for him to take that beating and keep coming and keep charging after guys through screens i thought that was extremely impressive by javante perkins um and and really the team defense overall one of my biggest questions from the umass game was why they were leaving forrester or coro out on an island and, and you, you would see it you know a umass player would get depositioned the they throw it in there and then it was just one-on-one Go to, you know what, what happens here. Chad Venning still had a good game, 22 points. But if you notice, every time they throw it into Venning, one slew player was coming off their man and swiping at it every single time. And that was something we didn't see at all. I mean, not even just an inkling of it. There was zero of that kind of little help in some of the previous games. So I, I thought you know, we, we highlight all these individual defense, but so then it coalesces to a, a much better team defense overall. And I think that was also one of Travis's uh, big points from the game.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned the screens um, uh, for St. Bonaventure. It made me think, Travis, I happened to do the coach's show on radio last night, and I talked about one of Larry's uh, – actually, we ran a highlight of one of Larry's shots where um, out of the left corner and Yuri kind of flipped it behind his back to him. And Travis goes, that was a great play, not just because of the shot in the past, but because everybody got involved, but that play set up. Yuri was on the left wing and Hughes was on the right wing. Pickett came off the block and set a screen on the right wing that Larry used to curl under the basket to the left corner. And as he was moving there, Collins was moving just in front of him to where he could flip it behind his back for the three point shot. And Travis talked about how he was very, um, he was delighted with the effort and the attention to detail by multiple players on the same play because there've been often times previously moments where too many people were standing watching and this was players getting involved.
0: Yeah. One, one of the great things you, you can, you, you get when you are, are privileged enough to sit sometimes where, where I'm able to sit and where you're able to sit, obviously, and, and, and some of the, some of the fans is sometimes you can hear Travis screaming some things uh, on the court and, the very the second possession against St. Bonaventure, uh, Travis was screaming, and I think, this and he did this for the next, he did this for possession number two, three, and four to start the game, and it was move, move. I mean, he was yelling it at, at, at the general, at the team. He singled out a couple of players and was yelling move. So I mean, that was a huge thing. And by the second half, I really thought that was a great example. I thought there were some great examples of a cohesive team and an off-ball consistency. That we haven't seen and here's why that's so important i mean it's so important in basketball but here's why i think it's so important slew and why it's been maybe an outsized example of their struggles on offense this year we talked about before the season and we've reiterated a few times the base of the Slu of the slew offense coming from either set plays or their flow offense which is something they've, they've talked about running more and more because of the experience Part of that flow of offense is is players instinctively and intelligently and consistently doing their own thing part of that is always running off the ball in those kind of plays if there's not a set moment to it are you finding the area on the defense where you need to move to to kind of bend the defense in the play and i think there was a lack of that and you would see four guys doing and the fifth wouldn't you'd see three guys do it and the two of them wouldn't be able to do it as well and i thought Dave Bonavich was the best example we've seen so far this season, uh, at least in the last month or so, of that flow offense constantly finding good looks. I mean, there were some incredible possessions where I mean, I mean, almost where you could ask, did slew overpass on that one? And that hasn't been something we've really had to ask no. about this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And um, when you make shots, everything looks a little more crisp too. Um, the shot 42% against St. Bonaventure, which is exactly the number I thought they were going to average. Well, this is a high watermark. I thought they were going to be in the very high 30s or low 40s. And I, and moreover, I thought they needed to, to be really good. I thought they would be really good, um, and they still can. Now, the resume won't look as good if you get after it in the second half, but that's not what I'm talking about talking about elevating the play of the team, that they're still capable of doing that. Absolutely.
0: And obviously it was nice to see some, you know, some buckets fall for Gibson Jimerson. you know, comes later in the game. So I think people don't want to, you know, people are going to take, you know, are going to weigh, you know, going on a 10 point run late in a, you know, a 15, 20 point lead. They're going to weigh that differently. And that's completely fair. But I thought, but the interesting thing. No, it's not, it's not fair.
1: It's not fair. It's not not fair. Okay. Here's why. Because okay, so we're only going to give him credit for five points or whatever. Are you doing that to every player in the country who scored in the last three minutes? I can answer that for you. You're not. You're not. So when you're willing to do that with everybody, not you, you know what I mean, the royal you. Um, the uh, when, when somebody's willing to do that for everybody and give me the adjusted scoring, I'll be happy to take a look at it.
0: And that's fair. And, and what I thought, I came away because he hit three of seven, and that was obviously one of his better – one of his better marks from three-point range in the last uh, month or so. And what I took yeah. away, though, was funny, though, is that the, one, the first one he hit in the day was the first one of the day that was actually covered. It was his, it was his fourth one, and it was the first one that – like the other three were wide-open shots. And he finally gets covered, and it, it, it's the one that kind of bounced and went in. But still, the first one he hits is the one that's covered. But also, I just want to look at the fact that the second or third possession of the game, Billikens get a transition mo- – uh bucket yuri passes it up to gibson gibson pulls the trigger from like 25 feet the man is shooting 21 percent from three coming into that game and that shot i absolutely love that he did not waver at all that he knows that in this moment that's his shot that's what the that's that's the kind of shot that he's going to make he can pull up from there because because of his track record, even though it's not this season's track record. And while some people are going to say, you know, know your role, you know, pull down at that point, reset, you'll get a better look. I love the fact that as a 41% three-point shooter coming into this season, he is not letting a bad start change his game. And the fact that he's still pulling up from that, I think it's a great sign. I think it tells me that mentally he's good. Again, it's probably a little mechanical issue. And if he gets it figured out, at the right time, he's going to go on fire for the Bills again. That that is easily been a, the yeah. biggest problem, but I also think it's the most fixable and most answerable problem for the Billikens so far. And again, I love the confidence and the fact that it clicked late in that game. Love to see it. Obviously, hope it can continue to build on it.
1: Yeah, and so and that gets back to expectations, right? And so I thought this was a team that was going to score. Average in the mid 80s. Well, their average now is upper 70s. Oh, that's not that big of a deal. No, that's correct. It's not a huge deal, except that they need to get to the 80s to win games, night in, night out. In my view. Well, what are we saying? Three or four more two two point buckets, um, or a couple of two point buckets, a couple of threes, and a couple of free throws. So it's not a huge deal. But when you put those extra ten points on every single game, um, it makes a difference over the long haul. Uh,
0: also, my last point from the uh, St. Bonaventure game that I want to move on to something before we then talk about George Mason coming up uh, tomorrow evening was I was tweeting uh, throughout the game about the, you know the kind of the difference on the court and how the team was playing around uh, the five man whether it was Jake Forrester or Francis Socorro. I think it's clear even even rewatching the game, Jake Forrester had a great game. There's no doubt about it. But I don't want Jake Forrester's great game to overshadow that while statistically not as great, and the plus-minus certainly says he wasn't, I actually think Frank Socorro had a fantastic game uh, against the Bonneys. I, I, I mean, the little things he did, again, the, the, the extra things that you want from a starting five might not be there. Um, how, about that, you
1: know, how about that touch pass out of the post?
0: I know, but this is that's that's the thing, though. It's one of those things where you see that one, and then there's four other examples where you're like, "There's two wide open three point shooters. How do you not see that guy?" And it's like, "How do you like? How do you have how do you have eyes in the back of your head for a beautiful backdoor screen? You know, right through the you know right right through the, the paint. But then you just miss these three point shooters on the short roll because they're crashing so hard. And that that's why that's what I'm saying. It's frustrating that he makes that one, but then you have all these examples from the same game where he doesn't. And so He hit that one, he missed a couple other ones, but he finished through traffic. I thought, despite the fact that Venning had a good game, overall, he did a good job for what he was going to be tasked to do, especially, especially, I thought, in how he didn't worry about Venning when he was asked to play that kind of drop that they were playing him in. So they weren't, they weren't, they were either playing kind of like a soft hedge or a little bit of a drop instead of like a switch or anything like that. So he would get out on the ha- ball handler to about 16 feet, and then yeah. he'd drop back so that he, he'd cut it off. But he, he stayed far enough away from him, so he cut out the easy pass to Benning, but he stayed with the guy on the perimeter a little bit. It was just a perfect example of how Coro can play, maybe not off the perimeter, but how agile and athletic he really yeah. is. I thought he did an incredible job, not just in his post of Benning, but specifically the pick-and-roll defense, uh, and also credit to SLU, uh St. Louis, for, for the how well they did in their weak side guy coming down and kind of chipping on Venning so that he didn't have overly easy offensive rebounds. Larry Hughes had a big moment there. Yuri Collins had two big times where he yep. got in there and, and, yep. and gave an offensive board and got an offensive or a uh, defensive rebound because of the shifting way. So was the, the, the uh, another example of the team defense. But also, I did want to say um, Forrester played in- incredible. And his movement uh, on the perimeter defensively and his touch offensively continues to get better and continues to be a bigger part of this team. But really, France Socorro had a great game, I thought, despite the stat line for Benny.
1: Yeah, and they're splitting the minutes up pretty evenly now. And so I looked and see what they are combo, and it's very impressive. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention – Durando at the ASL Post-Dispatch uh, put out a great story about TJ Hargrove. Some of you might have seen the tweet from TJ that he put out on Monday, I believe it was, where he talked about how he lost a lot of weight. He lost all his muscle because of depression uh, over the last year and how he's finally got a good space where he's, he's getting his muscle back and he's getting healthy. Stu did a great piece again in the Post-Dispatch talking to TJ about that depression and how he's worked his way through it. And then literally today at practice, um, before we before they started practice, TJ's out shooting, and there's, there's music playing, and he's dancing, and the and, and the energy was palpable. First of all, uh, he he put a dunk down, he made a reference to Clyde Drexler, uh, which I thought I was like Ramer's gonna love that. Um, and, and I thought I also thought it was funny because I'm pretty sure Sincere Parker didn't know who Clyde Drexler was, uh, and I had to ask him who it was, which I great little moment of basketball history. The energy that he had, I thought, was Noticeable, and I thought that it's obvious that he's a heart of the team kind of guy. And after yeah, after losing a guy like Fred Thatch, who, who's obviously been in practice, and was behind the bench on Wednesday, uh, on uh, Saturday, I should say, losing that guy on the court, that kind of energy is always going to matter. I think I think Travis talked about either a few practices ago or, or today. I can't remember about how you know we sometimes forget about the non X's and O's factors of winning games. When it comes to when it comes to college sports. And that's a real thing. And and TJ stepping out about that was I think huge for him. Obviously thank you to him, but also I think it was just his attitude right out of the gate being different. It was noticeable throughout the entire St. Louis team today.
1: Yeah, Travis has talked often and recently last night something about how they have had trouble finding a vocal leader. It's probably not hardgrove his thing is keeping everybody loose. Mm -hmm. And when he has that energy, that's great. It's a valuable asset to keep your teammates loose. They're still, I think, looking for that guy who is the leader and can verbalize what needs to be done when it needs to be done and who needs to do it. Um, And uh, they probably don't have that guy as a natural. And so as we move forward, we'll see if that continues to develop.
0: Absolutely. And Again, thank you. Uh, check out Stu Durando's story in Post uh, dispatch. And again, thank you to TJ for sharing a, a, a very important, you know, mental health uh, discussion. Uh, let's move on here a little bit because St. Louis has tomorrow night George Mason at the Shape It's Arena. Kim English brings in his Patriots. They're having a much stronger season than they did last year. Last year, they won uh, only 14 games. They're already 10 and six this year. So Kim's got him rolling a little bit. One of the big reasons he's got him rolling is because of that almighty transfer portal. He got Tennessee transfer Victor Bailey, who's uh, really starting to put together some good games. He's got three 20-point games. Him and Josh Adoro both averaging around 14 points per game. We obviously know Adoro from a few years um, here at George Mason. This is his fourth year there. Victor Bailey's the new wrinkle. Your thoughts right out of the gate about the potential matchup here between George Mason and the Billings tomorrow?
1: Well, the inside outside on paper, and as you point out, ten and six probably most nights, those two complement each other pretty well. In fact, I kind of thought going into senior year, Adoro could be a twenty point a game guy, but you it looks to me like bit. he's willing to be a double double guy, and um, and then elevate the whole team. Yeah. And uh, I think they're very dangerous. Um, Travis talked about it early on, and I agreed especially in a year where I think everybody agrees the Atlantic Ted is wide open, except if Dayton sort of runs off and leaves everybody, that's the one scary thing if you're everybody. Um, Mm. (laughs) But other than that, um, it looks like uh, it's a wide open league, and you would, I think, be making a mistake to not have George Mason in there as somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I think the big question is, I mean, Victor Bailey, when you have a guard like that uh, and, and the way he's scored, he's not the biggest guard in the world. So honestly, it wouldn't shock me if we see them maybe give Uri Collins a similar role. I mean, Joe Banks III is about 6'3", 185 pounds. Victor Bailey, 6'4", 185 pounds. So that wouldn't shock me uh, with the way that Travis talked about how in the, in the kind of hour-long discussion breaking down the Banks matchup, they thought it was pretty obvious that Yuri was their guy to go after him. So that matchup, I think, kind of makes sense to see a return and see if Yuri can really put another defensive stamp on this season. So I think the big question goes back to the guy we've seen a lot and had a lot of and you know wondered for years: how do you hold him down? And that is Josh Adoro. He's like you said, cooled down his rate that he takes shots. Um, but without a Fred Thatch, I think the big question now becomes: what's
1: the matchup there? Pickett. Yeah. Pickett and Hargrove um neither guy's going to play 35 minutes so those two will probably get the assignment in a rotating um in a rotating manner but Pickett's your first call because he's a little little bulkier a little stronger yeah. a little more weight
0: yeah i think we'll see the the starting lineup uh, return back to normal cuz like you said i think pickett was was still uh you know overcoming that flu and getting 100% of his strength back um and so i think i think that starting lineup we'll see that is the normal one with pick it back in but i think hargrove is going to be important he's been key the last few games obviously his uh we talked about kind of him becoming a bigger cog and now with fred thatch getting injured that's certainly going to be the case his on-ball defense for me has been very feast or famine but then again that's kind of how slew's defense has been so I can't really blame him for that one. The big thing that's impressing me is how much better his rebounding has been. And especially now knowing that he's been like rebulking up and he hasn't had that same strength that he that he's used to. The fact that he's been rebounding this way has been impressive. So I'm excited to see how he's able to do against Josh Adoro uh, because obviously you're saying he's becoming more of a double-double guy. He plays at 230, I think. Uh, Hargrove said that he's back up to about 215 right now. So he's given up a little bit of weight to a big guy like Adoro. But, again, I think he right now is, is showing himself as one of the better rebounders. And we know how important rebounding is. And, and, and Travis Ford is has recently, um, to the press, you know, kind of intimated how important he thinks it is. I think you'll like this, Rammer. His most important stat when looking at rebounding, I think he said maybe his most important stat defensively, is defensive rebound share. And I thought that I thought I thought it, I thought because he thinks it does a better job than just like you know regular gross rebounds. It does a better job than offensive rebounds, even of showing you how you're playing defensively and how you're controlling the glass. I, I think it's a good point, and I think it, it'll yeah. be a number to look at.
1: Um, you know, you know, after this George Mason game. Oh, that that is interesting. Um, one guy to keep an eye on. I'm not predicting it. It's just that Travis said yesterday to me that. um He says, Kellen Thames is going to play before this season's over. And his strength from the first day he walked onto practice has been his defense. So there's another guy to look for if you're trying to figure out how rotations are going to roll. I'm not saying it's going to be tomorrow, but that's what Travis had had said on his radio show.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that I think the question is going to be on the bench is going to have to do a lot with sincere Parker's minutes. If he's doing what he did against the Bonneys, which is he's running through off-ball screens, he's closing out hard, he's you know he's moving his feet defensively, I yeah. think we're, we'll see him constantly get minutes. But yeah. if the defensive part slips, I think maybe that's where they say we'll give Thames a shot there because I think Travis has always shown that he's more willing to, you know, take a little bit of a hit on the offensive side if it means they're locking down better defensively?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think generally that's that's pretty safe. Um, but if Parker gets on one of those roles like he had in Juco where he's scoring 30, you'd probably just live with whatever else happens on the other end of the floor.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know what? And to that, to, to, to Travis's credit, this will, this will be the last thing I, I say here. You've talked about it. I've talked about it. They have done such a good job over the last few games, increasing the amount of motions, actions, sets, whatever you want to call them, that sincere Parker is involved in that look yes. like it could directly lead to him putting in a bucket. So like, that's something that I love. It, it's, it's, they've been using Yuri and they've been using Gibson as decoys earlier in sets to open up things for Javante, Sincere, and the big men. And I think that's been huge because it's clear the teams shift magnetically with Yuri and Gibson. And that's that's one of you know that's a that's a simple basketball thing. Put the ball where the, the defense isn't. If the defense is gonna shift to those guys, put it on the other side, yeah. and that's where your other guys come into play. I think that's been a huge part of the slew offense. And I think it's going to continue to be bigger because I think they're seeing Gibson and Uri get better and better about being, selling their parts as decoys and then, you know, and then hitting, especially Gibson, hitting the other guys in the motion of the offense
1: where it makes sense. Um, Final thing about tomorrow's game for me is if you, uh, if you look, the Billikens try to go inside to a Coral early, almost every game. And between that and hitting a a bucket early, somebody else, jimerson Perkins, whoever, um, the Billikens haven't typically got up to hot starts in games. So if you were going to play them, how would you guard them? I think you probably want to take away Okoro and and be ready to double him immediately and make him give the ball up. Um, But that could play into – uh, right into what Travis wants, so I think it's a mini cat and mouse game, really in the first couple of possessions.
0: Oh, and, and man, I said I was going—that was the last thing I was going to say. I lied. Um, you, because you and Earl brought up on the broadcast of, the, of UMass, you know, Yuri's kind of—I I mean, impatience is a, is kind of the only word I can think of, where um, he was just kind of getting ahead of the play, or he wasn't giving. Um, Jake and Franco time to get into their spots where they can right. be deadly. My yeah. God, did they fix that on Saturday against uh, the Bonings? That was great. I think that's that's kind of in that is can they can they find the right spots for those guys to kind of attack consistently? I think that's the continued pace factor with Yuri and and, and those kind of things. I think it's yeah. going to continue to be huge. All right. Well, yeah. then. Yeah, no. Go ahead. All right, we're going to close out the show because we've been talking a lot of St. Louis University basketball, and obviously tomorrow night, Shape it, it's a 7 p.m. tip off taking off against the George Mason Patriots. Uh, a little side note, if you want, if you want a little bit more slew content or slew and George Mason content, Kim English is going to join us. Uh, he's going to join Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis tomorrow morning on 101 ESPN at 7:30 a.m. So if you want to get a little George Mason perspective on this matchup, the head coach, the former Missouri basketball player, Kim English, will try to shed A little bit of light on with those guys. Uh, With that said, that has been our show today. Bob Ramsey, before we go, tell everybody about our great friends at Royal Banks of Missouri.
1: Royal Banks, 60 years in the market, and the market continues to grow for Royal Banks. St. Louis Proper, St. Charles, the East Side and Granite City and Jerseyville, and new branches in Northeast Missouri. And they all bring you the best service there is. It's where better service means better banking at Royal Banks of Missouri. Rammer, thank you so much. We will
0: listen to you tomorrow when the Pelicans face off against the Patriots. You have a great rest of your day. See you, buddy. See you later, and thank you so much, St. Louis.
1: As one of St. Louis's fastest-growing companies and largest private companies, St. Louis Acura is proud to serve you and remains committed to becoming better than ever for you. As new Acuras become more available every day, we are not backing down from selling 100% more quality pre-owned vehicles than ever before. We want customers that appreciate our friendly, outgoing team and our award-winning service because at St. Louis Acura, we are better than ever for you.